and welcome to The Expressionists. I'm Olivia Rosenman. And I'm Helen Rydstrand. And we're here to explain the origin, history and usage of short shrift and your foot and why you might put it in your mouth or your porridge. Let's begin. I think you should start. Okay. I'll go first because I fear if I were to go second, we would give this expression short shrift. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, we don't want to do that. No. Do you know what short shrift means? I I don't really know what it means. I've heard it before. I don't think I've ever used it. Short shrift means brief and unsympathetic treatment. Oh, okay. And you give short shrift, right? Overwhelmingly, short shrift is given. Mm-hmm. However, I did find in an American dictionary, it's often made to make short shrift of something mm-hmm. rather oh, than okay. to give short shrift to something. I got a little bit carried away with the examples in the Oxford Dictionary mm-hmm. because I had the realisation, I think it was for the first time, but it can't have been. I was really excited that these examples are real, real world, true to life, mm. have been written on a page examples. Now, mm-hmm. I'm sure that I've talked to you about this before. Yeah. So that's the story of how the Oxford English Dictionary is created. They, go, they went out and looked for examples of words in sentences so that they could create the definitions rather than the other way around. It's funny because I think that you often think of the definition of a word as existing independent of a sentence. Mm-hmm. I think you go to the dictionary for the authority on how you can use a word. But then the dictionary got its authority from us. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyway, here was the first one I found. Fishman gives short shrift to any sentimental notion of a unified Jewish community. Real person, fisherman. Yes, Mm -hmm. not indeed a person who fishes. Not a fisherman. (laughs) Sylvia Barak Fishman. So actually a person who is a fish. I mean, I suppose that would be the origin of their name. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So she is an academic in Jewish studies in some tertiary institution in the US. That's all I have to say about her. Next one. Okay. A few thought I gave short shrift to the value of biodiversity in medicine. So this person has been accused of not really giving enough significance to the value of biodiversity in medicine. Interesting, because I'm reading a book all about the gut, and I just got to this part about all the diversity of the biome and the bacteria that live there. You wouldn't want to give short shrift to them. But they have been given short shrift, in fact, in medicine. Mm, Up until quite recently. Hmm. So both of these are pretty kind of abstract uses of the term. You're right. It's not a brief and unsympathetic treatment of a person. It's not like shoving someone out the door before they've had a chance to have a cup of tea or something. (laughs) And it is often, very often, um, a brief and unsympathetic treatment of a notion or of of an idea or even a rumour, as is my final example, which Uh I will make you listen to. Woodward also gave short shrift to the rumoured spat between Lada and O'Sullivan. Maybe I miswrote Lada because that sounds like a funny name. Anyway, that was in reference to some argument in uh, rugby union, I think. But it's about a rumour. So once again, a very Mm -hmm. figurative, uh, Mm -hmm. abstract thing that has been given short shrift. Right. And so this person doesn't think it's important, this rumour, or real. However, it wasn't always that way. Shrift derives from an old English word, scrift, which is the penance imposed after confession. So Seven like doing Marys. Yeah. Are there any other penancy things? Community service? Maybe. Apologizing to people that you've hurt. So shrift originally meant confession. And that was derived from script, 
which was an old English word meaning the penance imposed after the confession. Mm. And that is related to shrive, which is the verb of the noun shrift, to shrive. And to shrive is to hear a confession and assign penance or to absolve. So it's all a bit murky, but all different variations on a theme of confessing and absolution and paying penance. And, okay. So where this is interesting and immediately relevant to all of our lives is pancakes. Yes. Yes. Shrove Tuesday. Because you are... Now, what do you do? You eat all your fatty, delicious things on Shrove Tuesday. Yeah, you got to get it out of your house so that you have Lent. So I guess Lent could be seen as penance. Back to shrift, which was the original usage of the actual mm-hmm. word rather than the origin story word. Shrift was a time that was given to a condemned prisoner for his religious confession and absolution before his execution. So it... Originally means confession, and then it becomes the actual period that a prisoner has between sentencing and execution. Right. Yes. In which to make amends or do penance or whatever for them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then, if that prisoner was given short shrift, obviously that makes sense. Yes. In the literal meaning of it, but also you can see how then that would be transferred to a more abstract meaning of brief and unsympathetic treatment, because that's not very nice. Yes. If you're about to die, it's. An indication that they're not considered worthy of having space to get ready to die. Yeah. Okay. So when does the meaning leap from this quite literal prisoner's sentencing and our own meaning? I can't give you an exact date, but what I can tell you is this. The earliest recorded written usage in the literal sense Mm. was Shakespeare's Richard III. Yes, which was written in 1591 or 1594, depending on who you believe. Mm -hmm. Let's call it the late 16th Mm -hmm. century. Mm -hmm. Very late. And one of Richard's footmen is telling Lord Hastings, who has been condemned Mm -hmm. to death by Richard, who is maniacally seeking power. He's going to kill Lord Hastings. So his footman tells Lord Hastings he should make a short shrift. He longs to see your head him being Richard. Mm -hmm. So quite literal there, telling him to hurry up because he needs to be put to death, literally. But the earliest recorded figurative usage was in the late 19th century. A couple of examples. The first one from 1814 from The Lord of the Isles, which is a rhymed narrative poem by Sir Walter Scott. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) We've talked about this once before and you would give short shrift To the value of Sir Walter Scott's contribution to the literary canon. Is that correct, Helen? I think I, to be honest, have little direct knowledge of Walter Scott, but all of the modernist authors with whom I'm most familiar give him short shrift. Nevertheless, a line from the poem reads, Short were his shrift in that debate, that hour of fury and of fate. So that sounds quite similar to how the kind of examples that you gave from the OED before. Indeed. And then that same century in 1887, the Times of London ran an editorial and they were writing about some piece of legislation that was being debated in the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. It is hoped that the House of Commons will give it short shrift tonight. So somewhere between Shakespeare at the end of the 16th century and Sir Walter Scott, towards the beginning of the 19th century, it made this transformation. Yeah. 
200 years. Mm-hmm. Slow transformation. Reasonably. Hmm. Yeah. I'd like to award the social media prize. Oh, yes. To someone whose name is unpronounceable. <laughs> Q-N-T-M-P-K-T-S. It could be a maths reference. He tweeted on March 29th of this year, make short shrift of shift. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, I just appreciate the rhyming and the alliteration there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's referring to. I do know that Adam Schiff is a congressman who is the representative of California's 28th district. Okay. And he's a Democrat. Oh. That's all I know. And there was only one other thing I wanted to share with you about short shrift, Helen. Oh, yes. An interesting pop culture reference. So there's a movie I found, The Phantom oh. Tollbooth in 1970. Ah, yeah, this sounds familiar. Well, according to IMDb's plot synopsis, it's about a boy who's bored. And so he's in his room, playing in his room, and he gets into a toy car and drives through a toll booth that has magically appeared in his room. And he embarks on a journey of mm. adventure. Mm. And in his magical adventure world, there is an officer named Officer Short Shrift. That's all. Nice. I could make another joke about giving it short shrift, but I think I've made that enough times. Oh, I don't know. Let's move on. So today I wanted to talk about putting your foot in it. So this is an idiom meaning a kind of a couple of versions of the same thing on the one hand, but also a radically different meaning, which was a surprise to me. On the other foot. On the other foot. And I'm going to sort of put that off, that second meaning, for a little while. Nice foreshadowing there. Get ready, guys. It's a colloquial idiom. The British version is to put one's foot in it or into it, meaning to get into difficulties or trouble, to make a mistake or blunder. Or, and this is the meaning that I'm most familiar with, to say or do something tactless or embarrassing. Yes, Um, yes, I'm very familiar with that. (laughs) The North American version is a slight variation. They would say that you put your foot in your mouth or some kind of variation of that. But to mean the same thing? Just to mean to say something tactless or embarrassing so it doesn't have the kind of making a mistake or blundering or getting into trouble. There's a pop culture quote that rings in my ears and I can't think where it's from. I want to say Seinfeld or Friends. I feel like it's a sort of mid-90s US pop culture quote where someone says to someone else who has just said something tactless, would you like some water to wash down your foot? Yeah, sounds Friends to me. It's the kind of phrase that you can really do that sort of thing with. So in terms of the origins or the sort of history of the saying, the first recorded usage in the Oxford English Dictionary for the British version, British variant, just to put one's foot in it, whatever it is, is not specified. 1796, the sentence is, to be sure I aren't now a little at a loss to know whether I've made a good hand of this or whether I've put my foot in it. That sounds a bit more like, is it a mistake? Have I kind of gone the wrong way? And you can say, you know, you're meant to do something with your hand. You made a good hand. It's a gamble. There's a card playing illusion there, Gosh, perhaps. That's a double use of idiom there. Make a good hand of it. That's right. Another early example that I quite liked of the British variant is from Punch, a well-known satirical English weekly magazine, I think, from the 19th century. A bit conservative. 
If a fellow has really put his foot in it in an ungentlemanly manner, the committee can hint to him to be scarce. Which I think is interesting for the tone that they use, the ungentlemanly aspects. There's a bit of a sense that this is uh, about playing the rules of society, I suppose. There's something about, you know, saving face, Mm. I think, in that kind of example. Okay, so those are the British examples of that phrase. The Americans' uh, version, slight variant, comes in a little later. So their earliest one is 1879 from the Waterloo, Iowa, Daily Courier. He is bound to put his foot in his mouth whenever he opens it. So someone who just has a bit of a a problem. We all know someone like that. We do. Yep. We know that person. In terms of origin of that particular variant... It referred to an Irish parliamentarian whose name was Sir Boyle Roach, who was known in the 18th century for a lot of malapropisms and just mixed metaphors and saying weird stuff in Parliament. So there are lots of good ones. He apparently once said that half the lies our opponents tell about us are not true. There is some question as to whether he was, in fact, just bad at talking or whether he did it as a bit of a smoke and mirrors for the actual policies or whatever he wanted to get across, like get people to talk about the fact that he didn't make any sense and ignore actually what they were doing. Some might say that that's a technique in politics that is used to this very day. It does sound a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Strange. So my my favourite Roachism was this one. Why should we put ourselves out of our way to do anything for posterity? For what has posterity ever done for us? <laughs> Great guy. Anyway, so apparently someone else said of Roach that every time he opens his mouth, his foot goes inside it. So now we come to the other meaning for this phrase, um, which I was very delighted to learn. In black American English, African American English, it's a compliment on your cooking. Apparently, if you put your foot in it, it means you cooked the dish with extra love, extra care, or was a really good version. You know, every time you make a dish, it kind of turns out a bit differently. You know, you've got your thing that you make all the time. Spaghetti bolognese is a classic. Last night, I made nazi lemak and I really put my foot in it. You really put your foot in it? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's the coconut rice. I really put my foot in the coconut rice. It's the like very subtle but important base of that dish that really pulls it together. So it's a a high compliment. One explanation that I found, and it should be noted that this definition was not to be found in any dictionaries or any kind of official register of the language. I came across it in a lot of places in discussions online, forum discussions, and it it really shows up on Twitter as well. So I think it's real, but I just think that's a really interesting kind of register of hierarchies of power with language. So one person suggested that... It comes from Haitian Creole tradition in which the cook would actually spit, put hair or appendage, like a foot, into the preparation of the food. So that's giving it a personal touch or flavor. So you actually put something of yourself to uh, your loved ones when you cook for them. That's disgusting. It's not. It's It wouldn't really pass muster in contemporary Western <laughs> cooking practices. Having said that. That's for sure. 
When I lived in China, when I was on exchange there, there was this great street of food stalls. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorites was this delightful, hot, sour, spicy noodle soup. Mm-hmm. And it was particularly good in winter. It really warmed you from the inside. Mm-hmm. And the guy who made the soup spent his whole day standing over this pot of hot broth. His nose just dripped continuously. So he really did, you know, put a bit of himself into that. Mm. I just thought that because it was boiling, it was probably fine. I think it was fine. Yeah. What I found when I went to Twitter to see how people use it, it was predominantly the British version and the the American version that I knew. So Scott Pantel on April 4 this year says, as a white, middle-class, straight male, it's very easy to put my foot in my mouth about diversity, but I think I have it down. Here it is, dot, dot, dot. And then he doesn't say anything. Alana Miss Kitty, at Miss Kitty Alana, on April 5, says, heck, even online, I know I ramble and put my foot in it. I do try not to, but it does happen. It can happen to us all, Alana. True. Brown Eyes, 64, CRH947 is her handle. She says, I cook on holidays. I get down. My parents are from the South. Know how to put my foot in it. That's an in inverted commas. Foot. Yeah. Dinner is good. Issa Baddy, Tatiana. <laughs> that pasta I cooked was so good. Distraught face emoji. I put my foot in it. And Wait, then, but maybe do you think she was using it in the black English way? Because yes. the distraught yeah, face. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm interpreting, I would describe this as the distraught face, but I think it's that face when like, you're like, oh man, it was so good. I wish I could eat it all over again. Okay. So my favorite example is from Ambus Newton. Ambus, write to us. We'll send you a mug. Um, I just put my foot in a bowl of porridge. Today has been such a joke and it's not even midday. Do you know why I like this one the most? Why? Because... It's not clear exactly which way it's meant. Is it, I put my foot in a bowl of porridge and made a really good batch of porridge and the today's a joke is like a kind of joke about it? Or did she literally just put her foot in her porridge somehow? Yeah, maybe she put it down on the floor and then went to the toilet and then walked back. and And stepped in it. Yeah, gross. Pretty burny, I reckon. Like if your porridge is piping hot. That's true. That is yep. true. It does retain the heat. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. A whole new meaning. Yeah. Do you think you're going to be able to start using it? Um, it's an interesting question. And I think a political question in a way. As like a very white Australian woman, can I just adopt this phrase? I mean, I think, I think the, the main issue would be that people would have no idea what I was talking about if I started using it here. This is the truth. Um, but I, yeah, I do wonder, can you just appropriate the phrases of another culture? That's it for this episode of The Expressionists. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time when we take a look at our most hated expressions. I won't give it all away, but I will tell you they involve eggs, grandmothers and chestnuts. Bye.
Hi, I'm Olivia Rosenman. And I'm Helen Rydstrand. And we're... That's where we say that bit together. Hi, Hi. I'm Olivia Rosenman. (laughs) Sorry. Hi, I'm Olivia Rosenman. And I'm Helen Rydstrand. Hi, I'm Olivia Rosenman. And I'm Helen Rydstrand. And And we're we're the the Expressionists. expressionists. I think that was pretty close. All right.